Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to Cashflow Guys Podcast. It's that time again. It is Friday morning. Hopefully, you are out of bed. You're up. It's early. You're wiping that sleep out of your eyes. You're wondering, what am I going to do to make a nickel this week? I hope that you've taken some action towards getting financially free. I hope that you've taken some of what we talked about in the last several episodes and put it to work. You know me, guys and girls, to turn things up a little bit, we're going to cover a brand new topic that we have never discussed. I know a lot of you are thinking, what, Tyler, could you possibly have not discussed in a hundred and some odd episodes of the Cashflow Guys podcast? And Boys and girls, I got to tell you, it's probate. Now we've talked about this only enough to say that I've never done pro a probate deal in my life. I got to say that I have sold as a realtor a property that was a probate deal, but that really didn't. I dealt with the attorney. There was no marketing. I wasn't targeting that. It was just a referral. So I'm not counting that one. It was many years ago. I forgot everything about it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Today, I've got Sharon Vornholt, who's been investing in real estate in Louisville, Kentucky since 1998. What Sharon may not know is that I've been following her blogs for several years. Mm. I used to be on Bigger Pockets quite a bit, and I used to read her blogs on Bigger Pockets. I've been a big fan. So I had the pleasure of meeting her in person at PodFest this year in Orlando, Florida, and uh, had, some, had some lunch with her and Larry Harbold, another friend of ours, Barb Grassy, and uh, wanted to get her on the show and bring some value to you guys. So. In addition to being a full-time investor, see, she's actually a practitioner. She's out there doing the work, not just talking about it. She's a blogger, she's a coach, and she's got her own podcast called Let's Talk Real Estate Investing. Sharon, welcome to the show. Well, boy, thank you. That was a great introduction, by the way, Tyler. Hey, I'm a big fan. I got to tell you, I love your, your, your writing is to the point. It's no fluff. I like that. It's like, I listen, educate me. Time is money. Educate me. I want to mm -hmm. get education. I don't want the rom I don't need the romance to go along with it. I got a wife for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> True. That's a good analogy. Exactly. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on, first of all. Uh, probate. Thanks for having me. You know, I don't, it's, it's a topic. I'm an idiot. So I'm going to ask questions that are true because in this regard, I am an idiot when it comes to probate. Um, I'll go ahead and just kind of kick right off. Why probate? What made you choose that as a niche? Well, um, the main reason I chose probate initially, initially my two, two first uh, niches were probates and absentee owners, and that's because they were off-market deals. And what I found out pretty quickly was that probates were my best source of leads. The reason being is most people don't understand how to do direct mail. They think, you know, I hear people all the time say, well, I've, I've sent those three letters and I'll say, well, you really need to send, my rule is you sell till I buy the house, someone else buys the house, or they tell me to get, you know, to stop contacting them, in right. which case I usually try to still stay on the list. 
But probates uh, is they're really unique in that somebody inherits a house and almost always they don't want the house. Every now and then somebody wants the house. So it's really just a decision of is the house going to be sold as a retail sale, get listed on the MLS, or if it needs a lot of work, it's almost always going to be sold to an investor. So that's why they were people don't have the patience to go through the process because what you need to understand about probates too is a lot of people don't get around to selling that house all about a year. Some sell next week, next month, but a lot are somewhere in the middle. So I can already see you got a house that's been sitting for a year. In Florida, when you don't have the air conditioning on for a year, you you, Mm -hmm. you crack the seal, you've inherited a real mess. Is it... Mm -hmm. Is it true to say that a lot of these probates pretty much need work from day one? A lot of them do because, um, and you look at it that if you inherited a you're an investor, so you would be different. But for the average person that inherits a house and they need a lot of work, they either don't have the money to update the house, or if they do, they just plain don't want to put their money into it. They just want one thing. They want the cash in their pocket. So there are, they are as a whole, very motivated sellers. Now, Probate houses kind of fall into three categories. They're the pretty houses, which we all know what they are. And then you got your real dogs that are, they need a lot of work. And that's the primary house that most of us would look for. And then there's the ones in the middle. And those are the ones that are very market driven. So back in 2008, when nobody could get a loan, I was buying houses that needed paint and carpet for wholesale fees. Today, those houses would be listed on the MLS because you can sell just about anything on the MLS. But there's still a huge number of houses that are available in probate. And if you look at the people looking for houses, I don't know how many agents you have in your area, but there's usually thousands looking on the MLS. You know, somebody will say, well, this man said he got 50 letters. And I'll go, well, that's a whole lot less than if and when it gets listed on the MLS. So your competition is much less. And like I said, most people send out a couple of letters and quit. The trick is to stay in the game because these people are on a timeline. They've got to get the taxes filed on the estate. You know, they can get an extension. So I, my quickest one was a guy called me before the funeral was over. Him and his dad didn't get along. So that was a quick one. But generally, it's somewhere in the middle. A lot of people are procrastinators. They wait till about a year because when they go in the house, other than the fact they need a lot of repairs, there's one other thing they need, and that's cleaning out because the elderly often have, um, they're, sometimes they're hoarders. Right. Sometimes they have 5,000 butter tubs and stacks of magazines. But the people go in the house, they get the they look for the, uh, you know, the pictures, the mementos they want and anything. They'll take care of anything valuable. And then one day they walk out and say, I'll be back tomorrow. Well, they don't come back. So as an investor, you know, they, they just cannot deal with getting rid of mom's sofa that mom loved. But really, it has no, no, no real value. And who right. needs an, another worn out sofa? So as an investor in your offer, it should always be the offer to clean out the house. You know, I'll offer you this many dollars. And if you need help, you know, disposing of what's left, I'll take care of all that for you. And oftentimes that's the turning point in the deal. Interesting. So include in the offer that you will, the offer of being able to eliminate all the stuff. Right, right. Take care of all the stuff. And, uh, you know, that is, that's very often the thing that's holding up the person from selling. And and I, 
I would say to anybody looking at probates, ask them, you know, you're obviously looking to, you know, sell the house, uh, you know, and get cash. But what else what else would make this go simpler? And they'll they'll tell you, I just don't know what you do with all this stuff. Fair enough. Do you have do you, now? Do you, when it comes to that, do you use a service, or do you actually go take care of this yourself, or how, what's that look like as far as getting? No, started? no, I, you know, I I figure it in my offer. So if, if for a wholesaler, they would just figure it in there. If you're a rehabber, you would just know what it is. But even if you're going to host people, think you can wholesale probate properties, you really can. Now, unless you're in a weird, if you're in a weird state like California that has whole different rules, like in Kentucky. It's just a regular sale. You just write a contract. You make your offer to the decision maker, who is the right. executor or the personal representative. And then it's just like in Kentucky, it's just like any other sale. Interesting. That brings me to going back to what you're talking about, about doing three direct mail pieces. First of all, every time I hear about a probate, there's like five, six decision makers, whatever in the mix. How do you know who to mail? Well, in, in my area, I didn't know how incredibly lucky we were. Very old old school here in Louisville, Kentucky, but they're published in the paper. Now, they're starting to have a process for going online, but it actually has the, you need four pieces of information to work in probates. You need the name and address of the deceased and the name and address of the executor. That's what you need. You really, the heirs are, are they're in there, but the decision maker is that executor. So in most family situations, they do talk it out and they do discuss it, but, but you make your offer to that person. Now, in some areas, you have to go to the courthouse. Some areas, you can just Google probate plus your county and state. Some places, there, it's actually all online. It's all right there. Interesting. And then, so you, you figure out who the, the uh, what'd you say, the, uh, the executor or the executor is. Yeah. That's the person, the target. That's what we're, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, mm -hmm. we're going to mail them. And you said three is not enough. So is there a magic number? I mean, you'd said until they. till the house is sold. So, so is in, in probates in this kind of a market, it's probably going to be no more than 12 or 15 months. Okay. Now, back in 2008, it wasn't unusual to see somebody list their home for 18 months and then call me back and say, Hey, I, you know, I'm ready to take your offer of 85 and I'd look in my database and I'd say, well, I'll come take a look, but it was actually 65 or whatever the <laughs> price was. And they'd go, Oh, it's like, okay, she kept records. I suppose that's so, one way of negotiating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, but you know, it's a pretty, there is a timeline, unlike an absentee owner where I bought a house one time after three years, they, they weren't motivated. Then suddenly three in three years they were, but probates are this kind of a timeline with probates because, because of filing the taxes on the estate. Interesting. Now, does this come to, and I've heard so many different versions of how to do the direct mail or what type of pieces are more effective. Some people like postcards, other people like letters, any feedback on that? What yeah. type of mail? I I am very opinionated on this one. I think you should use a white computer generated letter that with a mail merge that says, dear Tyler, I'm contacting you about the house at this, you know, the, the state of at this address. Uh, I would never send a postcard because if you stop and think about, I always go back to when my mom passed away. I would have been so upset to get a postcard from somebody and phone calls is, is just a terrible idea to call somebody that has lost someone as your first point of contact. 
So I, and I, I'm not a yellow letter fan. So I, I either use postcards for most mailings or I use uh, white gener- computer generated letters. Now, what we did, you can do those now. There are some places you can have those done um, more affordably now. But the problem with outsourcing those to a mail house before was that they put them in a window envelope and nobody opens your mail. They really, you really need a hand addressed envelope. Now, now there are is a service or two that'll. It's it's hard to detect that it's not handwritten. But the way we handled it in house was my assistant. You know, because he, bear in mind you're adding every month. This is, sounds terrible, but you, you you never run out of leads. So every mm-hmm. month there's new leads. Right. So so like this month you get leads. Next month, next month. So that depending on your population, you might have eight hundred or a thousand potential leads at the end of a year. So it's it's a labor intensive process because every rough labor every quarter you need to go back and say have someone look through those uh, the month and see what's sold so that you don't continue mailing to them. Some will be sold on the MLS, right. but there's no you know how when you buy a list you can kind of self select things. You can't do that with probates. There's just no way to do it. So the what we did was um, my assistant printed, did a mail merge in-house, which would take her less than one hour. And she separated them by months. And then we handed them off to a, I had a graduate student that did my letters, you know, 12 bucks, a hundred or something. Right. Nice. So, uh, so it was, uh, that was the way we did it. And then we got them back. I will tell you one big tip. Don't give anybody stamps. They will run away with your stamps. <laughs> so you want to get your mail back and then have your assistant or whoever stick those. And visually, we didn't count them, but you can see if it's 60. Yeah, that looks like 60 or that looks, you know, each group. Right. But it's kind of a checks and balance thing because I actually know somebody that had people that did that through their mail in the garbage and took their stamps and resold them. Jeez. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's unfortunate. So I, I can see where I'm not, I've never really done a whole lot of direct mail myself. Mm-hmm. I lean more towards well, one of my biggest lead generators is my podcast, believe it or not. If you see yeah. how many people call me and say, my Aunt Susie's got an apartment building in, in Tampa or Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm next thing you know, I'm under contract. That is amazing. It is. It's like yeah, the last thing I was, I wasn't looking for leads when I started the show, but okay, it works. Um, at what point, I mean, you can, I think a lot, what a lot of investors do is they get ahead of themselves with over marketing too soon. And like you had said, there's continual feed of leads. Mm-hmm. And but you're purging them out. Marketing is expensive. However you do it, it's expensive. Do you favor more of a of, of a shotgun approach to lots of probates in a large area, or do you try to focus in a certain radius of where you are, or what's mm-hmm. that? Look like? I do in my market, which is a couple of counties, and some of the far counties uh, where. I don't know a lot about that market, so I I don't include those. But yes, it's very area specific. Um, we had a process whereby when my uh, assistant, who was also my daughter, she was really wicked fast on the computer. So she would fly through them. We omitted war zone zip codes immediately. We just we didn't do those. So we didn't do those. And then she would she would have the property valuation up and she would just flip through them like crazy because she knew what we bought and what we didn't. And she selected out bad areas and things like we also select out things that are too expensive. So in my area, uh, if the median price of a home is 180 or so, and there's a $350,000 house, 450, 
depending on the area, we're probably going to take it out because chances are it's a nice house. Now, if you're a realtor, that's that's a whole different ball game. If you can figure out what the laws of your states, how all that can work and you can get a, a lead on that, you can totally double dip on probates. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, we could do that here. That's not you could do that. You could do that, and it, like in Kentucky, you can do that. It's just a matter of your um, disclosures. Okay. You know, very interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, what I like about your approach is that, it, from what from my perspective, what I'm seeing is is that you're doing a lot of your work up front. So your marketing is is mm-hmm. it's intelligent marketing. You're you're using like a a, a rifle with a scope versus mm-hmm. a twelve gauge to get your point out there, your message mm-hmm. out there. You're eliminating everything you don't want. And I see a lot of marketers make that mistake or people that are beginning investors, they market to everybody that's got a mailbox. Yeah. No, you know, uh, somebody's the latest guru thing I heard is every day, every door direct mail is a, is a thing now for investors. And it's like, why are you sending? That's a rental neighborhood. You're hitting a whole bunch of tenants. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, and I, I guess there's a place for that maybe for agents that might, that farm a certain area, sure. like a neighborhood. I can see that, but I totally don't see that for investors uh, or door hangers or things. I mean, how do you know in a, in a neighborhood you have to have, I tell people you have to have some sort of motivation. Now, the one thing you can't know, you probably could get the information, but it would be so labor intensive is about the mortgages on the house. Now, but for instance, let's say that someone, what you find with probates a lot of times is they have refinanced late in life to put a new roof on or new windows. Right. That's usually something that you just take care of, you know, it, in your offer, that person still ends up with the money they need and you get a new roof and new windows and that loan is just closed out. So there are a lot of different ways to work a deal. And for somebody that does subject two deals, if the house has a mortgage, Sometimes they can figure out a way to assume that loan. You know, very creative people can do different things. Right. If you're a wholesaler or a rehabber, you're probably going to go for simple in and out. Okay. So, and I see your strategy from what I'm, what I gather is, is more leaning towards the wholesale. Well, I was a rehabber and uh, buy and hold until 2008. And then when I stopped rehabbing, I kind of became an accidental wholesaler because that was a time when, you know, it was really hard to, a lot of the investors couldn't get money. And for me, I had an access to money, but the houses were sitting for nine months, a year, eight, you know, or longer. Right. I just didn't want to be in that spot. So I just kept, kept up my marketing machine. And then I would just call up investors that I knew and go, Hey, I've got a house. You want this house? And they go, yep, sure. And I thought, boy, this is easy. Right now it's the thing for me. And I just, you know, so that I continued on down that path. Interesting. Now, do you do any buy and hold as well or, or a little bit or? I have had rentals. Yeah, I've had single family rentals. Okay. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, the, one of the things, the probate thing that, that keeps me from doing the probate, and not that I, I don't need to go do it. I've, I've got plenty to do already. But <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I wonder about the people. You, the, the, some, somebody died. How Do people like freak out on you? Is that a problem? People. Not not really, because and that's one of the things I was I mentioned that I'm working on. Of course, that's a big thing that keeps people from working in probates. They just are afraid to talk to those people. Right. But I want you to think about it differently. These are people that have a life. They have a job. They have may have children problems. And now they've got another problem. They have an estate they have to settle. And it is. And in order to settle the estate, you must sell the property because the pro, you know, someone dies. And then, uh, you know, the assets, the assets are sold 
and then the heirs get paid. There's steps in between. But basically, before the estate can can be closed and the heirs can be paid, uh, they get what's left. All the creditors that come forth have to be paid. So if there's any outstanding money. So people people mistakenly think the estate has to be closed and then they sell the house when the house must be sold. Unless unless you inherit it directly. Like if I left my home, my daughter, and or it's left through a trust or... Uh, you know, if in general, the assets have to be liquidated and then the heirs get the money. I see. Okay. So, oh. so that's the thing. That's why in order to get paid, they really have to sell that house. So, and you know, every now and then somebody gets teary eyed and I do say you need to go in and be respectful because I'll go in a house and look around. And if I know it's their mom and I see cookbooks, I'll, you, you always look, I call it an opener. Right. So I'll say, Oh, Hey, your mom was, she was the cook. Or your, I, I see golf clubs. Was your dad a golfer? Right. You know, so there's like it's no really no different. I think maybe apartments are a little bit different in the way they're more uh, okay. cut and dry numbers. Yeah. These are people that that have a problem, and uh, there and if their house is a mess, they're like their parents' home. It, let's say they were hoarders. These people are horribly embarrassed. Yeah. So I always say to them, Hey, look, I do this all day long, and Trust me, your house, I've seen lots where so no need to worry. You know, this this is something we can totally take care of for you. Is that a stumbling block for you? And they'll go, yes. And there's your there's your other other than the money. Well, the hoarding thing, I'm glad you brought that up because that is that's very common and not necessarily here in Florida, just in the across the country. And yes, I've realized because I have dealt with a lot of hoarder houses. I used to flip houses as mm-hmm. well many years ago, but we just did one. Last year, I worked as the realtor on the deal where it wasn't a probate because the lady hadn't passed away yet, thank goodness. But because she was a hoarder, her son basically relocated her to a, a, his home farther up the state in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the reasons why he hadn't sold the house is he was completely overwhelmed. Right. He just couldn't take the next steps. Yeah. He didn't know what to do. And, and it yeah. was his childhood home. But literally, I remember this. I have pictures of it. You open the front door and the garbage was about chest high. Mm-hmm. You had to climb in the front door to get into the house. And it was a real traumatic thing for him, that mm-hmm. process. So as soon mm-hmm. as we remove that, it's like, we're going to take care of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I would think that would be uh, assumed anyway, but I guess I was, I was wrong in thinking that. No, they, they don't. They don't assume that you're going to do that for them. And even when it's not a hoarder house, I mean, you'll look around and there will be stacks of National Geographic's five feet tall. And right. like I said, they keep they keep things like butter tubs, newspapers. There's always a lot of stuff right. in there. And then if there's anything do- that we can donate to a shelter, I always tell them that makes them feel better too. If it or you know if someone can make use of the kitchen table or whatever it is. We donate that rather than junk it out. We'll have somebody come pick it up. So that makes them feel better too. Now, when it comes to the actual getting back to the mailing piece of it, I know this is what I think your expertise is, is mm-hmm. coaching and courses is the marketing behind it, uh, which I love because that's, I don't think that's being done. At least if it is, it's not being done well outside mm-hmm. of your program in the, in the industry. What, how soon is too soon? So you get the, the death notice. Well, know? Well, bear in mind that people don't open the estate oftentimes for months. So I don't even look at the date of death because you'd have to go back. Uh, it's, first of all, it's not published in our, our 
our newspaper. We could go back and try to look up in the will, but it's really irrelevant. And here's why, because they don't, most people don't open the estate for a period of time. They wait till they're more emotionally able to handle it. So it might be three months, four months, five months. But when they open that estate, that is when they're saying, I'm ready to move forward. Okay. So if it's been a month or if it's been a year and whatever that time period is has passed, that's your clue that they're ready to move forward because that's a physical activity they have to do. One thing you said that I like, and I think for the listeners, this is an important takeaway is that your marketing style is very upfront. It's you're not trying to deceive. You're not using anything that would trick quote unquote somebody into opening your thing. You, you, you just, you're doing a consistent product. You're putting out the same, the similar message time and time Mm -hmm. again. You're not using any, innuendos or, or gimmicks to get people to open. I think that's important, especially with a probate. Mm-hmm. It's a sensitive situation as it is. And the last thing I know I would want would be to feel like I was being tricked or feel like a vulture was coming after me. So I yeah. like that that style, that your way you're doing things. It's- well, and I hear people argue, they argue with me and I, I say, well, we'll just agree to disagree. I think it's wrong to send them like an invitation style envelope or something like that. Right. I just don't, to me, it's just not, like you said, it's not the truthful, ethical way to do it. And I tell them up front in my letter, you know, I, I always have, I have two letter ones in my, that'll be in my course. So one is a no condolences and one is I want to express my condolences. Now that's the one I use because I want to be upfront that I know they're in a hard situation. And believe me, if you don't say that, they're going to say, and how did you get my name? And then the hundred pound elephant in the room, and then you're going to be on the phone saying, well, I got your thing from public records. What do you mean public records? You know? So I just prefer to say to them, and I use a very low key and a, a very nurturing along the path. A series of letters. So I'll tell them I'm available to help them when they're ready. And then maybe and I mail monthly, always monthly. Okay. So maybe the next letter is, hey, I was just checking in. Uh, maybe uh, a letter will say, you know, it's been a few months now since you opened the estate, but it's always very low key. And, uh, you know, just let me know. And, and if you need help, uh, you know, with disposing of whatever properties left in the house, we can help. We can take care of that for you. So People in probates, you know, if you're in a foreclosure situation, you've got a drop dead timeline. Sure. Probates have a little more leeway. And when they're emotionally ready, you want to be the one. Remember that 81% of your deals from direct mail will come at or beyond the fifth mailing. Now, does that mean you won't really? get a deal from one? No. But yeah, statistically, about 81% come from at or beyond your fifth mailing. And this is the other interesting statistic. 90% of the people quit on or before the third mailing. <laughs> so just be by staying in the game, yeah, they may get 50 letters month one. They may get 30 month two, but it's going to go down and down and down. And I've had people tell me time and time again, you're the person that, you know, you, there was no pressure. I'm here when you need me, but you reached out to me every single month. And, you know, these some of these little ladies, they'll tie up their letters with a, Uh, a ribbon or something. They've kept them all. Other people, they don't keep them. So uh, what I would, what I do is I put a business card in the first one. I put one about six months and then one toward the end. You know, so if they've lost the letter, they may by that point be ready to stick the business card in their wallet. That's good news. Uh, I remember back when I was flipping houses, this is going back many years ago. 
Mm-hmm. There wasn't an internet, so I couldn't do the fancy. Oh yeah, we were we were a bi before internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was a, a, a an ink pen and a legal pad, and that's a, mm-hmm. you know, a nice. I would go to Staples. I think it wasn't even Staples back then, and get some nice paper and handwrite them because that was the option you had mm-hmm. many moons ago. Um, mm-hmm. I love the fact that what you said about eighty one percent of deals are done after the fifth mailing. That's mind blowing. So I think about yeah. maybe you've seen it on Facebook that infographic of the miner with the pickaxe, and he's chunking away and there's a mm-hmm. lot of gold on the other side of the wall and he just and he quits mm-hmm. so that yeah. just goes to show you i think with anything sharon correct me if i'm wrong in real estate investing if you stick with it long enough it's going to start to hit it's going to start to hit and with uh direct mail is um bear in mind that most of these probate leads unless they're a pretty house they're never going to be listed so you have to do direct mail people go well that's old school well guess what that's the only way you're going to get these people right you know because that and that's what makes it such a great niche is that unlike thousands of people on the mls you've got a hand really a handful or 20 30 and all you then have to do is go out and learn to build rapport with the seller right you know that that's really all it is you know it's it's interesting you say old school you're right it is old school but mm-hmm. here's what i figured out now my relationship with you know i'm good friends with larry harbolt and mm-hmm. he's been for mine for many years and i use the exact principles he taught me that he learned from from people that came before him and the reality mm-hmm. of it all the new stuff that you hear about mm-hmm. none of it ever really seems to work as effectively as the old it's, it's the old stuff right kitchen table yeah. knee to knee, have a conversation look people mm-hmm. in the face and just mm-hmm. get her, get it done. And, and it's refreshing to, for you to tell me that's the same. Well, yeah. And I think with, with probates, especially if you can just say, how can I help you move this process along? You know, what would make it easier for you? And, you know, people think it's weird talking to people after somebody's died, but it really isn't. I mean, they are among the most motivated sellers on the planet. They just want you to help them get out of the mess they're in so they can move on with their life. Absolutely. So they've got motivation. They've got motivation. Mm-hmm. And essentially they're collecting a payday that they didn't know they were going to have however long ago, you know, exactly by inheriting the house. Interesting. Well, and like you said, the other thing too is that if there is some small mortgage or HELOC or uh, something like that, and they've got that to deal with and they have the grass cutting and the heat or air conditioning, there are still bills that come in that have to be paid. Cashing checks is fun, but uh, writing it was no fun. No fun. No fun. <laughs> That's for sure. You've got a coaching program I saw mm-hmm. on your website and, and briefly talking about it before we recorded. I, it's intriguing. It's different. Can you talk a little bit about that? What, what that, how that, what that looks like? Which, which one are you talking about? You've got yeah. the primarily probate. marketing and, and probate. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a number of pro uh, programs. Um, you know, I do a probate mastery and a, and a, uh, Marketing mastery, where I've worked with people for three months and really we set up the marketing plan. We talk about implementing it. It's a customized thing that I do with uh, with that person because what you need and what somebody else needs, you know, it's two entirely different things. And we start from where you are and go forward. So, uh, you know, I do that. I do VIP days. I am working on a probate course because I've been beaten over the head with that one. You know, it's uh, so I'll have that out within about a month. But yeah, so I do a variety of things. But um, we talked a little bit about the show. I'm very much on getting people involved in accountability because you could sell courses all day long. But if they don't succeed, that's no fun. So, uh, yeah. So um, 
but yeah, I have a number of things over at the Louisville Gals Real Estate blog. And uh, you can tell when I named that, I do nothing about naming, um, naming anything. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but over the blog and then you can always uh, reach out to me over there too. And uh, you know, I'll be happy to answer any questions. So I will put that in the show notes, but for those listening, driving down the road, it's, it's Louisville Gals Real Estate blog. Mm-hmm. which uh, I've been on there. All the information's on there. Your podcasts are on there. The products mm-hmm. that you have, coaching opportunities, mm-hmm. all right there. I love the idea of accountability. I think that's that's critical. And that's, as we were talking, the, the folks that are in the mastermind, they initially, they were hating the fact that I was forcing them to stay <laughs> accountable and to do specific tasks. Mm-hmm. But now we're rounding up this first uh, class. Now everybody's looking back on it going, boy, I'm glad that you kicked me in the, in the short pants. Because mm-hmm. Now I'm not as fr- afraid as I was before and I'm actually getting stuff done. So well, yeah, and people are, they are afraid and they get overwhelmed. And I think that's really the key to success is the accountability part. And I think that's what probably makes your program so successful. And I'm, I'm sure you're a good accountability partner and I'm a, I'm a good accountability partner too. So, uh, uh, and people need that. Heck, we've all had accountability partners. Amen. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, Sharon, I really appreciate you taking the time to come out and educate it. I know I got some major nuggets and I'm sure the audience did as well. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come out and share with us. And well, uh, folks, if you want to learn more in the show notes, I will put the links uh, to Sharon's blog and social media and whatnot. Sharon, anything you want to add before we uh, call it a day? Uh, just one thing, they can come over to the blog and right there on the on the homepage, they can get a uh, for a sample probate letter nice. and which if they give them something to get started with. And I've got a ton of posts on uh, blog posts, videos, and podcasts on weight investing. Outstanding. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks thanks again for coming. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap this week's episode of the Cashflow Guys podcast. The only way you're going to get financially free is to get off the couch and take the action necessary to do so. You can't sit there and do nothing and watch TV all day. YouTube isn't going to set you free. This podcast isn't going to set you free. The action that you take from what you learned on shows like this and shows like Sharon's and getting involved, getting yourself out there, stepping up and doing the work is what's going to get you free. So get up, get out there and make it happen. We'll catch up with you guys next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.